Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to the Clashing Sabers Network. Here we go again. Chewing. We're home. I bypassed the compressor. You were the chosen one! Something truly special. Congratulations. You are being rescued. Revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi. The ability to speak might not make you intelligent, but we're going to try to prove otherwise. This is the Clashing Sabers podcast. I, of course, am one of your hosts, Brandon, and I am super happy to be here with just about all of our team tonight. Uh, Drew is off on new baby duty. He just had a, a new daughter be born, nice and healthy and everything. So congratulations to Drew. But I am here with Lindsay, Mark, and Adriana. Say hi, everybody. Hey, everyone. Hi, gang. Hello, hello. So um, it's been a while since we've all sat down together and and chatted uh, about you know anything on the podcast. I think last time we were all together was it was it solo the last time we were all together or Last Jedi? It was. Nah, it might have uh. been solo. I feel like no. I think there was one other time, and I can't for the life of me remember what it was. Me too. I don't Maybe. Know. Post celebration on the solo podcast. <laughs> That's right. That was before yeah. you. Oh. That's why it definitely had to be one other time. Yeah. It could have been post celebration and just I think everything so. we got then. That's now coming to light. Oh, there's so much. <laughs> we live in a nirvana. Do you guys ever think we'd be at this moment? It's an embarrassment of riches. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Like the first time I opened Disney Plus and saw the little like the little beam go across the the Disney and into the plus, I was like, my life is never going to be the same again. Like, it's like I live in a whole new world. Don't make us sing. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody wants that. We want to continue getting new listeners to the podcast. If I sing, we will lose all of them. Um. (laughs) <laughs> so, guys, you may have known if you've been listening for a while. If you haven't, welcome. We're glad to have all the new listeners that we've been getting over these past uh, couple months here. But I've been kind of teasing uh, a kind of big deal that we have had working in the background. And let me make clear, because he's not here so he can't say otherwise, when I say we've been working on in the background, this has been a lot of Drew and everybody else cheering him on. So, Drew, thank you again for all the hard work thank that you, you put Drew. into it. Thank you, Drew. Yes, very much so. It did not go unnoticed or unappreciated by any of the four of us. And I think once Brandon makes the announcement, it certainly won't go unappreciated by anyone else. We're really excited about this. So... I I tell this story all the time. I don't know if I've told it on the podcast or not, but when I was growing up in in elementary school, uh, we had uh, the AR program. Do you guys have that? Yes. Adrian, they have it now. Okay. So it it has its its merits, but I didn't like it because my mom, like, like I've been a a big reader my whole life. Like, I don't remember. I, I skipped out on birthday parties to read the new books that I got. And I could... I had to make my AR goal. That was my mom's rule. I had to make my AR goal before I could read any of my Star Wars books because they weren't on my level or whatever. 
So I always had to like rush to get all these points in a nine weeks and then read my Star Wars books when I probably would have just read the same amount of Star Wars books anyways and I didn't really care about the points. That said, my library didn't have Star Wars books. There just there wasn't a lot of them. And so we are adventuring onto a new endeavor here at Clashing Sabers, and we are actually turning Clashing Sabers into a nonprofit organization that will be aimed at getting Star Wars books into schools across the country. Yeah. And just to be clear, that does not mean any of our podcasts are changing. We're still going to put out content regularly. Uh, this is really just in addition to everything that we have going on, which I think is uh, really a pretty seamless addition to our efforts just because on the Clashing Saber podcast, we really do want to go into those deeper themes and how Star Wars connects to everyday life and the lessons that we learn from it on don't burn the sacred text. We obviously take deeper dives into the book. So I'm really excited. It just seems like the perfect extension of everything that we're already doing and to be able to go out and actually get more involved with our local communities and kind of spread the the good news of star Wars. Totally. Yeah. It's going to be really exciting. And I mean, Adriana, you can probably attest to this being in the classroom like I am, but when you are able to give kids new books, like even if it's just two, all of them just start immediately going, I want to read that one. I want to read that one. Uh, so it's good. Oh, yeah. Right? Like it's it's like oh, Christmas yeah. morning. Oh, and like I have um, I have a I have a classroom library. I mean, every teacher should. Um, but I have my Star Wars books in like a little separate bin. And they just, they get so worn out so quickly because my kids love them and, and, you know, I can't always go out and replace them right away. So definitely something, um, I think about a lot is making sure my Star Wars books in my library are, (laughs) are getting in there and that I'm getting new ones to replace the ones that go, they just get so used like the spines and, and, and because I have the little ones, it's like the little teeny books. So they don't last very long anyways, (laughs) but yeah, it's yes, definitely. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's, it's really amazing. And so the way this is going to work, first of all, um, is, we will, in the very near future, be setting up a Patreon um, and we'll hopefully be able to get to um, a decent amount to where we could actually donate books monthly um, to different schools across the country. Now, I say that because obviously we are all across the country, uh, but if you have a school that you are connected to and you're listening to this podcast uh, and, and you would like us to eventually donate to that school, please email us at clashingsabersnetwork at gmail.com so I can kind of start a list of that because we don't want to just start it in our corners and be able to, you know, say like, oh, I gave it to to this campus or that campus right by me. We want to, Clashing Sabers really is a community that has spread across the country and across the world and, and we appreciate that. And so we want to be able to give to to schools that you're passionate about, whether your kids go there or, or whatever. Um, so we will be getting a Patreon set up in the very near future, and uh, you will be able to donate in that fashion. But before we do that, as kind of a, a launch, a celebration of 
the new Clashing Sabers nonprofit uh, wing, we are going to be having a fundraiser, and this fundraiser is going to have some really cool stuff uh, that you can get. So we're actually going to set up a silent auction online, so it's going to be all digital, um, and you will be able to go and bid on the items on there. You, as far as financially, um, the payments. Um, I'll work out directly with you, so it'll be between you and myself. There will be no third party that actually handles um, any of your money, so it's going to be completely completely safe. Um, but we actually have a lot of cool items. We got some books signed by some of the authors that we have talked to, including Claudia Gray, Delilah Dawson, Zarata Cordova, um, all signed books, and, and we're kind enough to donate those for free. And we also have... Uh, a Hera Funko Pop still in box signed by the wonderful Vanessa Marshall. Um, so really cool stuff for you to bid on. Um, we'll, we'll have that linked. I, I will add it to the show notes um, once the fundraiser started for this episode. Um, so if it's not in there already, you can save this episode and it'll be there. But it'll be on all our social media. Um, we'll link it on our website, ClashingSabers.net, and um, share it on our, our Facebook group and Twitter and everything there. So... Our goal is to raise $300. Um, that's the goal that I've set. And so we would really appreciate uh, anything that you can do. And if you just, if you don't want to, uh, you know, bid on anything any, and you just want to donate before we get the Patreon going, you can also get in touch with me uh, through any of those, those means and, and we can set that up and it would be greatly, greatly appreciated. I'm really, really adamant on this um, that as long as it's, it's, financially viable every single penny that comes into the clashing sabers uh nonprofit wing will go directly to getting books uh into schools so i'm gonna do everything that i can um i'm not we're not gonna be spending this money on like fancy things and then you know more recording equipment and then donating like a dollar or a penny on the dollar um to these schools we're gonna be giving literally every penny that we can to these schools and getting legends books comics uh you know new canon all those kinds of things um to a variety of schools from both from elementary all the way um through high school so and you know that being said too just because we really are trying to use these funds to go 100 percent right back into the community right back into the schools that also means we aren't necessarily spending money on advertising costs and, you know, doing any kind of big sponsored push on social media or anything like that. So with that being said, one way you could always really help out, even if you yourself uh, can't financially donate, is just to get the word out there. Uh, Maybe you see some gifts in the auction that you want to ask for the holidays coming up. What better way to spend Life Day than with an autographed Vanessa Marshall Harapop? Feel free to let your friends and family know that we have this fundraiser going on and it would be great if we could get everyone else involved as well. So word of mouth is always a really great way to help out the cause. Also, can I say something? Go for it. Um, So Brandon probably already knows this, but as a teacher, uh, we just we're like, why? Why just Star Wars books? And I just want to let people know that we just want kids to read Like, we don't care if it's a Star Wars book. Like, we just want them reading because ultimately the more reading they get, whether it's a com like a Star Wars comic or a a nonfiction text, they're going to benefit from this. So just, yes, all the reading. That's what we want. (laughs) 
that's that's a really good point. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and again, going back to what we were talking about before, like just getting books into the classroom inspires kids to read, especially when you can have um, like a visitor come or... Um, you know, like, for example, my principal bought brought some books that she um, had gotten free copies of at a, a conference she went to to my class for for their good behavior. And they freaked out. And so it, it got everybody excited about just reading, let alone reading the new books. So, yeah, it's just, you know, Star Wars being close to our hearts. I know we all grew up reading Star Wars books. Uh, Drew is obviously a big uh, EU Legends nut. And so... It was important to us that we be able to take this thing that we have with Star Wars and combine it with our passion for reading, you know, and Adriana and myself as our, as teachers, you know, Drew as a father and, and, you know, everybody has kids they care about, you know. So it, it makes sense to, you know, Star Wars is this generational thing that that's going to last forever. And so um, we wanted to continue it, it going like that. And. I we are eventually uh, uh, if we can get enough on the Patreon where we really or I should say I really because I haven't really told anybody this but I want to be able to get some of the hardback library library bound books um, so that they can actually check them out in their school library because not enough schools have enough books in their school library. Um, but we are also just to, to optimize the funds that we have when we're we're getting this going. We are going to get a lot of used books uh, from like half price books and, and everything like that um, so that we can, you know, really just, again, it's about getting them reading. The more books you can get into kids' hands, the better. And again, like Lindsay said, if you can't support financially, you're still a part of this family. We love you. Um, and we totally appreciate that. The retweets matter. The word of mouth matters. And just, you know, if you can't, if you don't want to donate, go buy a Star Wars book for your niece or nephew or whatever. Um, because it makes a big difference. And that's that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to just take this Star Wars thing and go from just talking about it and having fun with ourselves and, and being able to have a positive impact on the fandom and on the future fandom. Here, here. So, oh, man, guys, I've been, like, anxious about that all day. I've been, like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to oh. finally be able to talk to everyone about it. This has been, like, six months in the making. It's going to be awesome. And we're... <laughs> Eight months for Drew. Well, yeah. <laughs> Guys, you don't understand the amount of paperwork. Like, he wrote up our bylaws and everything. Like, it's insane the amount of work he had to do with a baby on the way and two kids and doing this stuff. Drew, you are an absolute treasure and a hero. Um, and, and we can't wait to have you back. But I do want to Well, we're ma- never going to say it to your face. No, no. God, no. I know he... <laughs> I know he, well, he might listen to this one since he's not on it, but, uh, you know, um, I'll just say somebody edited it in. That wasn't me. I didn't say that. Um, One final note before we kind of move on here is um, with the celebration coming up and some other events, um, we are at certain times going to do book drives. Um, So if you have some new Star Wars books or comics um, or you want to go buy some new ones that you want to donate directly, I know... We have been in talks of having a meetup, and I'm putting this out on the air now so that I can't back away from it. Uh, but we are having, we're going to have some kind of meetup at Celebration, whether it's just you know getting dinner with everybody or whatever, and we'll do a book drive there um, if you want to bring some of that stuff with you. So again, lots of ways that you can support. But just to kind of close us out, guys, I wanted to go around and just each of us share 
what's the book that you really like if you can get one book into a school you want this book to be the one that kids read and adriana i'm gonna send it to you first uh definitely 100 percent uh the phasma book by delilah dawson uh that was really other than lost stars that was really one of the the first books that i was um really pushed me into reading more of the the new canon because i didn't really read the the legend stuff so i really love that one the characterization is great the the planets um everything that you find out about phasma it just it blows my mind and i feel like so many so many kids would appreciate her more if they knew if they only knew <laughs> <laughs> if you only and knew. adults even adults <laughs> yes exactly phasma <laughs> mark what about you have to be my my favorite canon novel and that is claudia gray's lost stars um i feel like it's also uh being a a ya uh in that brand of of storytelling i think it would really work well in schools with um you know maybe young adolescents and as well as maybe some younger children because it's star wars but also because it's sort of a play on Romeo and Juliet. And I feel like that's a very classic um, kind of trope for Star Wars to play with. And I just I just love the book because it it sort of showed me what the canon novels were capable of um, in that it takes all the events you're familiar with from the original trilogy, but then it tells it from a different perspective. And I, I feel like that is what Star Wars does really, really the best is taking stories and, and sort of giving you a new spin on it or a new perspective. Um, so yeah, it, it would be lost stars. And we may have a copy of that signed by Claudia Gray. That'll be in the auction. Just saying, mm. uh, yes. Uh, Lindsay, now you and me, we talk about books all the time. So I'm excited to hear what, what is your must read, get into the school canon or non-canon book? We do, and mine is a little bit of a toss-up, so I'm going to go with the choice that I don't think you're going to pick. And now I'm really interested to see if I'm right about what you're going to pick. Um, But mine is a little bit more nostalgic, actually, and I think it could surprise some people. But it is the series, the original series, Master and Apprentice, following Obi-Wan as he was a Padawan with Qui-Gon Jinn. Um, it's a young reader series, but it's what actually got me into not only reading, but Star Wars. So it was that double whammy that we want to make sure with the nonprofit we're launching that we're delivering for other kids, other students. And just being able to, you know, as a nine-year-old and 10-year-old sit there and dive into these books that my uncle gave me, I learned so much about kind of what it meant to be a Jedi and how I could take that and put it in my own life, whether it was just on the playground at school, on the bus. And I I actually really still think back to those books pretty often and all these lessons that I learned. And I think that it had such a significant impact in my outlook on life and how I dealt with certain hardships and how I dealt with certain things. It was so formative for me. I would love to be able to say... I was able to put that 
in the hands of someone's school library and maybe reach a few other kids in the same way. Um, I think it's just the perfect age to really start diving into a lot of this material. You know, you can never really be too young, but the readers those books are meant for are just old enough to grasp it and still really hang on. So I would love to get a few copies of those. That would be that would be fantastic. I'm gonna have what's to, yours though. I want to see if I'm right. I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to go. Leia, Princess of Alderaan, because, I mean, you guys, you guys know how much Carrie means to me and how much Leia means to me, um, and I think that that book really hits a, a, a certain point um, in our core, in our souls, where you know we feel like the people closest to us are are letting us down because we don't really understand everything that they're dealing with and then you know the, the coming of age and, and hopefully that you know one kid will read that book and that will get them to learn more about Carrie um, and then learn more about what she stood for for mental health and overcoming addiction and everything like that um, and, and maybe it'll be the book that helps somebody out of a dark place so Leia Princess of Alderaan is mine well we're the worst because neither of us said Ahsoka which I was sure we would I was really <laughs> tempted the two to. of us I was I forgot about a new dawn <laughs> Uh, see, there's I guess so, now we all we all need so many people every week and give each other. Oh yeah, we some, some reading material. We can have our second favorite, right? I mean, we're allowed to do that. I feel like we all unofficially have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I sit here surrounded by all my Ahsoka stuff, it's like my heaven. I only own like three or four copies of the book. No big deal. Um, whatever. <laughs> So, yeah, guys, I'm I'm super excited. I do want to do because we we've got a little bit of time here before we jump into our our main topic, do a super quick Star Warsing just because I feel like everybody is Star Warsing the same thing right now, um which is not something that happens super often outside of, you know, the releases of the films and it doesn't take long for the discourse to get a little crazy around those. But I feel like like the whole fandom is actually united around this one thing, this place, this sphere, this heaven, this nirvana that is <laughs> Disney Plus. I, I, I mean, am I overstating it, guys? No, no, not no. at all. No, not even a little. No, it does feel like that. It does feel like this is a like. There's something that has shifted. Something's changed a bit. There's. I think it's just because there is so much overwhelming content coming at us at one time. People are just like picking the thing that they really like and they're not focusing on who's hating what or who's liking what. It's just everyone's just soaking it all in and it's creating this really energized feeling. I mean, I don't know if you guys have been on social media, but it's like people are just fired up about everything that's coming down the pike right now. Yeah, and I mean, it's not even just, I I don't know how else to say it, but the, the people we normally get it from that are fired up, you know, the people who hear a new animated series or a new book and they get fired up about that. I've been amazed this week, every single day, people at work who, and you know, I have 5,000 people in, not my company, just my office alone, 
but between 5,000 people, how many people have come up to me this week just to talk about this? And it's like, oh, we're really like back in the mainstream now. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, in my, in my workplace, the, it's, the topic this week was who was able to get Disney Plus to get it like, to work <laughs> yeah. and who, who was still having issues. Uh, I have a coworker who... Her, she and her husband refuse to watch The Mandalorian until they can watch it in surround sound, and they can't get they can't get it to work with their surround sound, so they're waiting. Oh, and no. <laughs> oh no! I I really appreciate their commitment, but at some point, I feel like they just got to watch it. I know they got a cave. It was absolute torture because I had this idea of hosting a, a watch party, so I had to wait till like everyone was off work. And I was up at like 11 p.m. the night before when it went live. And I was like, Can, what if I just clicked? What if I just accidentally pushed play on The Mandalorian? No um, one would know. No one yeah. would know. No. And you're, you, can, you, can, you could sell that. You could sell that you'd never seen it before, right? Like you could pretend to be. Yeah, like surprise. I have spoken. No, I've never heard that in my entire life. <laughs> Such a better person than me. I would have. I would have done it. Oh, completely. <laughs> oh, I'm the worst. You know You're what? Sad. I'm glad I waited though, because it was really nice to to get to watch that with a group of fellow Star Wars fans, and we were all pumped and just like, yeah, push play. Let's. Oh my god, the title card. That's so cool. And just yeah, it was it was nice to be able to to wait. That was awesome. Yeah. I really like how they have really leaned into the Western theme. You know, Star Wars is always, you know, equated to to a Western. But this one is just like in your face, not ashamed of it, not holding back at all. Um, and I really like that. And I, I mean, it definitely has its links to the larger saga um, in, in both just like appearances of different things. Um, I'm going to be really vague just in case anybody hasn't listened because... We didn't really give a spoiler warning, but, you know, just different types of characters, different types of aliens that have shown up, uh, just different environments that are, are it, it feels very much like Star Wars, but you feel like something, like like Mark was saying earlier, something has shifted because now those things that we always saw for the first time on the big screen, and by the time we saw them at home, we kind of knew them and were familiar with them because we'd seen them nine, ten, if you're Lindsay, 47 times. Um mm-hmm. you're getting new live star wars on your television and it's it's just it's crazy i mean it it really is hard to put into words how exciting it is like that paul rudd meme that's been going around like who would have guessed not me not me that's exactly how i feel about this (laughs) when that first episode dropped um i watched it twice And then a couple of days later, I watched it again. And then I had to remind myself yesterday because I wanted to watch it a fourth time. And then I reminded myself, oh, we get a new episode tomorrow. Like in my head, when we get new Star Wars, I think of it as something like I'm going to have to wait a long time before we get something else new. And yet this is a this is a very new feeling of like we we can rewatch this first episode several times but we're also getting a brand new episode in just a few days and if it feels like the movies it's not you know it's not like i mean i love the animated series but 
they are their own, you know, their own genre. And this is live action. Like we have never had this kind of access to live action Star Wars before. It feels epic. And that's why I really love that buy-in and, you know, being able to say, okay, yeah, it's Star Wars, but it's a Western. And I don't think we're saying it to simplify how epic it is. And I don't think we're saying it to downgrade the creativity of it. I think it's just a way for us to share our excitement with everyone in this really digestible way where I can call my dad up and now for the first time ever be like, dad, there's a new Star Wars live action show and I think you're really going to love it because it's just like all of these westerns that we watched together when I was a kid. And it's it's this quick enticing way where, you know, Mark, you and I, we sit here and and we understand how incredible it is to have it every few days now. Yeah. But other people, it's that entryway to now they see why we're so excited to have it every few days and they are just as equally so. Yeah, I have a uh, one of the other teachers at work was asking me, you know, of course, jokingly, like, did you watch, you know, Disney Plus all last night? Because I was very excited. I was t- I took I left work early for it. And it was yes, I was very excited. Um, but I was like, oh, yeah. And he's like, so, so you watch the Mandalorian. And and he's like, this is something that I would like. And he's he's into like the Marvel stuff, uh, but but not really into Star Wars or Harry Potter or anything that's a little more on the fantasy side of things. Um, and I was like, man, it's like a Western. Like you you've got to watch it. And so he's planning on actually watching the Mandalorian. I don't think he has yet, um, but pretty soon here, I'm hoping he's going to watch it, and and we'll have a new Star Wars fan on our hand. Um, <laughs> But I mean, that's kind of what this this is doing. Like it, it reaches so many more people. I feel like who maybe wouldn't be willing to spend the money to go see Star Wars in the theater because I don't know, it's Episode Nine, and I would have to watch all the other ones to catch up, and it's just you know, it's a lot of work or whatever the excuse may be. But here, it's like I have Disney Plus. This is what thirty six minutes. Uh, sure, let's give it a shot and and see if we like it. And, there's something about westerns. I know when we go to uh, to my in-laws, who they they live way out in the country, and and they're you know southern country people, and and westerns are like always on the TV, uh, and most of the time the volume is really low, and it's just kind of background noise or whatever. But there's something about the way that they're filmed uh, that you just can't look away. Like even if you don't know what their what the storyline is or why this guy's in jail or why they're riding the horses over there, whatever it may be, like there's something that just I think connects to the Americana in us that the the Mandalorian is really hitting on because you, you can't look away. I mean, it's just it's really good. You know what? Too, I want to re- go back and reflect a little bit on one other really minor point that you made that really struck a chord with me. Because you mentioned the people who wouldn't spend the money to go see episode nine because they don't feel caught up. They don't feel like they remember. You know, I feel like anytime someone in my family goes to see a new movie in theaters, it's, you know, a phone call to me real quick. Just, hey, recap everything I'm supposed to know. What's cool about The Mandalorian is there's so many nods for expanded universe for these other connections being made but there's still so many new things to discover that i genuinely feel like 
everyone is on even footing. You know, yes, you're going to get a little bit more if you know the history of Mandalore and you know the culture of the Mandalorian people. But you don't have to know that to enjoy it. You know, when they they talk about little things like the, you know, have you has your signet been revealed yet or something like that? And it's it's stuff like that where at first people might think, oh, I missed something. But no, no one knows what that means. We're all in this starting point together and we're all figuring the show out as we all go. And there's no one who's seen the other eight episodes already that's so far ahead. So it's fun really getting to digest it with everyone else and not feel like certain people are missing certain things. That was, that was something that, that struck stood out to me as well. Um, I was watching uh, star Wars explained, uh, you know, Alex's review of, of the first episode and he mentioned that some of those scenes as well, where they were describing Mandalorian lore. And of course, I'm not a big Mandalorian person. So there's a lot of that that I just assumed was already known. And I would just I just didn't know about it. But he was saying like, oh, that's brand new to me. And so it was it was illuminating to see that, oh, yeah, they are actually creating brand new lore. It's not just fan service from hey don't you remember all this stuff about the Man- mandalorians they're actually creating new mythology for the mandalorians yeah i'm really excited to see where they take it yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be good it's gonna be a good ride it'll it'll be interesting to see like you know kind of when we get to that december time frame you know how much we're talking mandalorian and how much we're talking rise of skywalker i mean again Mark, you put it perfectly. It's an embarrassment of riches. Like, it's just absolutely <laughs> crazy. And I mean, special shout out, Mark. I think you and I might be the only two who have started this so far. But Jedi Fallen Order also came out today, oh, the day yeah. that we're recording. Can we oh. just have a a quick shout out to BD One? Oh, I love him so much. I love him. I want to protect him. Amazing. I would die for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do not play the video games. Can you explain? Full recap. I don't know about you, Mark. I'm on chapter two right now. I don't even know how many chapters there are. Um, but BD1, Adriana, is the most amazing little puppy of a droid. I think BB8 is like... A, go- a full-grown golden retriever of a dog, but this is a true little puppy of a droid, oh. and he is perfect. He's a little cuddle bug. <laughs> I'm excited to see once, uh, once like the full recaps are up on YouTube, because that's that's how I do the video games. Um, is watching like the cutscenes and everything. So, well, now I will say this about. Jedi Fallen Order, uh, they do have a mode that you can play that is strictly for the story. Um, so it's like the easiest setting where you just are, you know, you don't have to worry about how many times you die and respawn. It's really just you get to experience the game as a story. So oh, that's, that's cool. Yeah. That seems more like something I would I would be down to do as someone who does not play video games a lot. <laughs> No, so far it's definitely worth it. I just like the low stress part of it. I, I'm I was very scarred by the Phantom Menace game and there was a part in Naboo. I don't know if our game 
was busted or my brother and I were just too dumb to figure it out, but we could not get past this one corner to go get Queen Amidala and, and it drove me crazy for months and I'm scarred, guys. So <laughs> we'll say no, it wait. was the game. We'll say it was the disc. I mean that's what I, I tell myself there at night. Is one game. Yeah. Oh. Uh no, I lied. There is one video game that I p- did play re- religiously and that's the Star Wars Pod Racer game on the N sixty four. Oh mm-hmm. nice. That was my jam. Okay. That was Great okay. jam. <laughs> going throwback, going nostalgia. Did anybody have the handheld pod racer game that had like the screen in between Anakin's turbines? No, I don't Mm-mm. think I did. Oh, it was epic. And by epic, Ooh. I mean it was a garbage game. You could like move left, right, and, <laughs> and keep going. But I played that thing religiously. I love that about 20 minutes ago we were having this deep conversation about what Star Wars books mean to us and why. And now we're like, what about this garbage game? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Star Wars. How we love thee. (laughs) Well, guys, I think think it's time we get into our main topic for the night. We are going to uh, be putting a a punctuation on the end of our sentence that has been this... uh, now what 11 part series with this episode looking at all the star wars films uh leading up to the rise of skywalker we of course had the wonderful ladies from sky talkers come and uh drop some hot takes about last jedi on um our previous episode two episodes ago i don't know how you say that but you get what i mean um so now we are into uh we are into rise of skywalker and we are going to talk about what we hope to see in the movie and maybe some things we are kind of uh a little anxious about so i know you all may have other things to say but it's time to move on i have spoken So we are back, and we are going to talk about Rise of Skywalker. 
And we wanted to keep our traditional top-bottom format, but kind of doing a top three, bottom three. Uh, we definitely want to do that once the film is out and we've been able to see it uh, a few times. But you guys know us here. We're not super into the theorizing as much as we are into the analyzing. So we thought we'd simplify it, um, just have a fun little go-round talking about one thing that we really want to happen, um, we really hope happen, we need to happen, however you want to phrase it. And uh, our bottom this time will be one thing we're kind of maybe worried about, something we don't really want to see happen, or maybe something that would just straight up ruin the movie for us. So... We're going to start, as we usually do, with our bottom, which would be the one thing you don't want that you are like, please, God, no, don't put this in the movie. This would, I don't know, ruin Star Wars for me. I don't know. Be hyperbolic as you want to be. Uh, put your own adjectives in there. Mark, I'm going to send it to you first. What's the, the one thing you don't want in Rise of Skywalker? Uh, that, for me, would fall under the category of something I'm worried about. Uh, rather than not wanting, because at this stage, I don't know enough about what they have planned to know if I want something or not. And that would be the reveal of exactly how Palpatine fits into this story. And that's been the sort of the element that they've sort of held close to the vest and not really revealed much other than we've heard his laugh and we've heard his dialogue. But we know nothing about how he is involved in the events of the sequel trilogy. And uh, I think a while back, I think this is a conversation that we all had amongst ourselves, but I was worried for a while that it was going to be um, Palpatine was living in the helmet like a Horcrux. Oh, yeah. And I didn't want that to to be the case because it just felt a little too precious. This, uh, the idea that, in The Force Awakens, we've already established that Kylo Ren is talking to what he thinks is his grandfather. And they show the mask. To me, it just would seem like a little too on the nose to have that actually be literally like Palpatine's essence is speaking to him from the mask. Um, but I've actually since come to to sort of soften my view of that. Um, I, I, just, I just feel like... I was always somebody that never was crazy about the idea of resurrecting villains. Um, Although there's a couple of instances in Star Wars where it's happened where I've initially been negative about it and then thought, okay, well, it was done. It was handled well. Um, Darth Maul is a great example of just sort of seeing how he was used after being brought back from a pretty impossible situation. Um, But there was always something that rubbed me the wrong way about the way they sort of brought Palpatine back in the EU um, sort of I think he was cloned at one point and it, it just always felt a little too much like a soap opera like you think the villains dead but they're not really dead um, so I had that something of a hurdle to get over in, in my feelings about that concept in general so the way it's handled if they if they do it in a really organic way and it's and it really utilizes Ian McDermott to his best potential uh i think i that will smooth smooth over any of my misgivings about uh the the idea of bringing him back in the first place i like that i would almost summarize it as you know once you set rules in a fantasy world 
you have to adhere to those. You know, obviously this is a fantasy. This is a fairy tale movie. There's elements of sci-fi. And at this point, we have all suspended our disbelief so much to believe that you can have laser swords. You can have this connection to the mythical force. But it's because they set realistic ground rules and they've always played by that and bringing Darth Maul back. Perfect example, because that is a time where they so clearly broke their own rules. I think it was jarring for everyone. It just so happened that the follow-up acts after that were so great. Everyone Mm. kind of forgave it, but I'm, I'm totally with you. Once you have those rules, you stick by them and there's simply not enough time to redeem themselves if it is just a straight resurrection story. So, Mark, just to to clarify a little bit, are you saying you don't really care what Palpatine has been doing in the background during the sequel trilogy and you just want him to be there? Or are you saying you don't want a villain monologue? Like, what exactly, like... If if you had to say like this happening in the film, well, they've indicated that the the idea to bring him back in the sequel trilogy was there from the very start, mm-hmm. and I I believe them. I do believe that that was part of of their their plan from the beginning. So I'm hoping that we can that once we see how he's brought back in this last movie, we'll look back on the previous two films and see all the little seeds that were planted that were, Oh wow. It was always there. Like that was, that was a big clue. I just want it to feel organic. I want it to feel like it's like it's part of the evolving story and that this is a natural progression for, for this final chapter and not just something that's sort of thrown in as a twist of like, Oh, look, let's, let's just bring Palpatine back at the very end. Like, uh, and I don't think that's really what's what's going to happen. I just because that is bringing Palpatine back from the dead is always been that thing that I was always a little iffy about anyway. I, I just feel like it needs to be a home run. Like they really need to blow my blow my mind with the way he's he's presented in the film. Would you be um, upset if we had to? Well, I don't know. I guess it's hard to gauge. Um, how they, I like Lindsay said, the the follow the acts that fo- followed Maul's um, appearance were really great, so we could forgive it. So, would you be upset if we had to like wait for like the books and comics or whatever to even if that's how we were would get the information? Yeah, that's a good example of what I probably would be uh, disappointed with, as if they they left it sort of ambiguous and we were going to have to wait for a full explanation. And I'm not somebody that needs to have everything explained to me, but if you've waited until your third chapter in a, in a trilogy to bring out the big guns and Palpatine is apparently the big guns because they're not even showing him in any of the trailers, it just better be worth it. You know, just it ought to swing for the fences. And I, I mean, I, I really on some level believe that that's probably what we're going to get. But I still have those misgivings, and that's probably the one thing that's kind of, you know, kind of is needling my my brain at this moment. That's interesting. Interesting. I, I mean, when I was thinking of this, you know, like the there are certain things about Palpatine that came on my list, 
But I was like, we know so little about it. I don't feel like I can really be concerned about it like that. But I think you put a good voice to kind of what's also been needling at me uh, when it comes to, to Palpatine and, and just... Yeah, making it feel organic, I think, is really important because it it, it can't it can't be a soap opera, soap opera, you know, like oh plot twist, move on with the story kind of thing. Like you, it has to be grounded and have meaning for for Ray and Kylo's story, and, and even for our ancillary characters, you know, for like Finn and and what he went through uh, with the First Order and everything like that. So, all right. Uh, Lindsay, let's move on to you. And what's your your trepidation? Your one thing you don't want. Your bottom number one for Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, the one thing I really don't want. Uh, Mark actually said the word, um, but it's just clones in any way, shape, or form. It's something that doesn't really interest me in Star Wars outside of a clone army. I don't want Palpatine to be a clone. I don't want Rey to be a clone. I don't want them to clone Luke, uh, take Luke's hand, whatever it is. I just, I want to stay away from the clones and that sciencey aspect. And I want to stick with the religious aspect, the spiritual aspect and keep everything really on that one track. I, I think that, having all these clones running around is just taking the easy way out. And I want to be a little bit more advanced than that. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. You know, and and it really is not just, you know, for clones going forward, but it's, I don't want them to explain right away by saying, Oh, she was just a clone or anything like that. Yeah. It's funny because, clones were a big deal in the prequel trilogy and I don't have a problem with them there, but I think it's just goes back to that sour taste in my mouth from the EU with like cloned Luke and cloned Palpatine that just never sat well with me. And for some reason in my head, I think of the clones of the EU as differently from the clone war. And even though cloning is a thing in this universe, somehow it feels like it was a one and done and to revisit again feels gimmicky. Yeah, and it almost cheapens how well it was done in the prequels. I love the thought of the clone army. And even, you know, back when I saw these movies for the first time as a nine-year-old, hearing the Clone Wars in A New Hope was so cool and mysterious. And I wasn't disappointed at all when they showed what it meant in Attack of the Clones, in Revenge of the Sith, in the Clone Wars. I think they did an incredible job. But if we start going back to the days of the EU, where we're just using it all willy-nilly, it would really cheapen how well done it was in the prequels. Ryan Johnson really established like Rey being her own person. And I really like that. Like that she's not a Skywalker of any sort, at least the impression that we get from the last Jedi. Um, so I, I would be really upset if she was just a clone that as far as taking away that, that really awesome thing that they built in the last Jedi, like of you are your own person, you know, you're, you don't, you're not what your parents make. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think with the prequels, the clones that you have there, there's meaning behind them. You know, like this faceless army and, and you know, Palpatine working in the background and how quickly, you know, the Empire was able to be kind of 
brought about by Palpatine, you know, with, with mm-hmm. just kind of the snap of his finger. Then you get into the Clone Wars and you have all this, you know, what makes us human kind of mythology that goes into the clones. And there's just a lot of meaning behind them. And Ray is super powerful because we took the midi-chlorians and put them into this body, you know, it, whatever kind of clone thing you want to come up with. It's just, it doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't fit. And it is, it's too science fiction-y uh, for, for a fantasy world. And so I, I, I have, I've tried to think of possibilities of how it could work just, you know, because that's just what I do. And I haven't been able to think of one where I can actually say like, like even dark Ray, I don't even want dark Ray to be a clone. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's just no strong why in the prequels. Yeah. There was such a strong why you're building an army. This is the cheapest way to build an army. And you also don't need to recruit people across the galaxy where people then start to catch on that you're, you're building an army. If you take it to now all these years later, you're just trying to clone one individual person. What's the point? Clearly cloning isn't that big of a deal. People know how to do it. So why start trying to do it just once? If there was a better reason to do it, that would have been Palpatine's plan A all those years ago instead of his nice machinations. Yeah, and there's also a difference between having having clones be part of the story like mm-hmm. they were in the prequel trilogy versus clones as a, as a twist, as a gotcha moment. Mm-hmm. That I think that's what we're all kind of on some subconscious level because we know that J.J. likes his mystery box and likes to spring surprises on folks that that it feels like it wouldn't be out of place in his version of like uh, his idea of what would make a great star Wars surprise. (laughs) I like the, the phrase, a great star Wars surprise. I feel like that should be a cereal. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. I mean the, and I can't remember where, if it's canon or legends, but I've at least accepted it as my head canon that, you know, you can't transfer the force in a clone, which is why they didn't clone the Jedi to make an army, uh, because they couldn't guarantee that, you know, the force abilities would would transfer over, you know, that, that being said, like Palpatine also wouldn't want a whole army of Jedi there. But so then if, if you take that and doing a clone of Palpatine or a clone of Rey, I don't know, it just... It doesn't feel natural. And it. I think to a lesser extent, it also kind of diminishes the force because it's like, oh, well, if you can just have, you know, clone Ray over here, let's just, you know, go dig up, you know, all these clone, all these Jedi and take their DNA and, and we'll be good again. New Jedi order. Here you go. You know, here's did, all your did old you, favorites. This is a little bit of like, are we... Are we really trying to avoid... We're, we're trying to avoid spoilers for The Mandalorian, right? So yeah. we don't want to really just... Okay, because there's... There's a little yeah. something going on with cloning yeah. that was revealed in the you, Lindsay. You know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what okay. you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, that's something I would love to throw in in this discussion, <laughs> but we can't. I, I think uh, if you, if you have watched The Mandalorian and you don't know what we're talking <laughs> about, just do a quick Google of Mandalorian and probably Camino or Clone and, and Clone, we'll say. Yeah, you you will probably find what you're looking for. 
Uh, Adriana, let's swing around to you and what's the one thing that you don't want to happen in Rise of Skywalker? Okay, so at first I was going to say I don't want Ben Demption, but I really think that's going to happen. So I changed it to I really do not want to see any any sort of romantic relationship between Kylo and Rey. Like... Like, I just don't. I don't want it. I I want it far away from me. Um, it just... I would be really upset. And, and the reason why um, is... I just really think their relationship is really toxic. Um, you have him... He says a lot of stuff that's just like... He's like, you're nothing. Um, and that's that's so awful to me. And the fact that people ship it makes me cringe um and it, it i don't really necessarily need star wars to have a romance um i mean that's a lie i do but not between those two characters <laughs> <laughs> I, was, yeah, I was like wait a minute um, i was like we all know you better than that. <laughs> um no it's just it i just personally think it's a really toxic relationship and i know a lot of people were like oh they're gonna happen and i know a lot of the promote uh promotion for the rise of skywalker has them together like they're fighting together um they're fighting each other, but you know, some people are like, it's a, it's a hate turn to love relationship. Um, I just, the, there's something, I just don't like Kylo Ren and Ray is awesome and beautiful and perfect and so lovely. And she doesn't need a man and she doesn't need that man specifically. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so any literally just, any romantic relationship between Kylo and Rey is a no-go for me. And uh, if that happens, I will probably, like, walk out of the theater, like, just seething. Just, like, red steam coming out of my... Just all red and steam coming out of my ears. Yeah, I feel <laughs> like they've they've kind of backed themselves into a corner a little bit because it really it's very divisive there's certainly people that are very much rooting for that and like adriana like you said there are people like yourself that are actively not wanting that and that's a very i'm I'm interested to see how they handle it because i actually am not i don't have strong feelings one way or the other i've always said i just want a really good story and i want it to to play out i keep using the word organically as long as it feels true to me uh I'm okay with how it unfolds as long as it feels genuine, but it really is. That is the one thing that I'm really curious to see how that lands, because there are going to be people that are disappointed either way. It's just, it's just unavoidable. Yeah. Yeah. And And it does have to be addressed. I'm, I lean towards your school of thought Adriana which is I don't see it happening romantically I think it does lean on the toxic side of things but how would you feel if like I was saying last week on the episode you know I I'm okay with Raylo in terms of they're working together for a common goal for at least a small part of the time I don't want all two hours and 20 minutes being them working together. But for, for a small part of the time, I'd like to see that. Um, Again, though, just in terms of kind of a working relationship, would you be okay with something like that? As long as it doesn't turn towards the romantic level. 
Oh yeah, definitely. And and the way the 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 way the promo is going, that's what I feel is going to happen. Um, which that like I said, that's fine. Um, it really is the romantic aspect that really just gives me a, like that just squicks me out. Um, the the heebie-jeebies, if you will. Yeah. Um, if you are not familiar with shipping cultures. Squeaks or uh, squeaks is a, is a is a thing, um. But yeah, it just I don't like it. Um. But if it was them working together, I'm okay with it. And like I said, I was gonna say Bendemption, but I know that it's gonna happen. Uh. And I've I'm okay with it. I'm okay with that. Um. But as far as them being together and being romantic, uh, like I don't want to see a kiss. It's the kissing. If they kiss, then I'm just gonna. <laughs> I might, I might hurl in the theater and into, my, into my popcorn. Okay. Well, um, well, I do want to point out, Adriana, uh, just because no. I'm that guy. You did say you don't want a relationship or a kiss between Ray and Kylo. You didn't say anything about Ray and Ben. Oh, he did it. Just you, we, you know, is there a way to put him on mute on this? Yeah, it's let's mute. No, you know. I, I, <laughs> I'm telling. It's not. It's not me not wanting Ray in a no, romantic know. relationship with anybody. It's just I feel like specifically, um, the way Kylo is, his character, the way he has spoken to her, and the way he has treated her. Um, he clearly doesn't. I mean, he clearly doesn't respect her because she's like, "Let's go and save these people," and he's like, "No, nah, fam, I'm gonna go do my thing," and. Um, so it's 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 more like really just that romance on that end. And if if Ray kisses Finn, I guess I would not. I wouldn't. <sighs> okay, <laughs> I would be upset, but it wouldn't make me. It wouldn't make me hurl. It wouldn't make me like. <laughs> oh my God, what high praise? It wouldn't make me hurl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, um, you know. It's it's that specific, those traits that go along with being more on the toxic side that really just don't want me to, I, I don't want that for her. Um, if she finds romance with somebody who is on the resistance side, like, that would be cool. Uh, if she's with Finn, I guess that would be cool, too. You know, they're friends. A.K.A. Resistance Reborn, if you haven't read it, they're friends. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean. There's a lot of friend zone in that book. There is a lot so of friend much, zoning. but. Not between two people. Um, also, Brandon, <laughs> just a heads up. When you go to speak, I think I actually did mute you. And now I I can't unmute you. So you might need to unmute yourself. Uh, Uh-oh. <laughs> I, uh, oh, no. Uh, no more of this Ben stuff. Listen, when, when I have my episode, when I do my Starships episode on Ray and Kylo... Um, the reason I haven't done this is because I, I'm scared to do it. I'm legitimately scared to talk with somebody who ships it because I'm just worried about, like, not necessarily being cordial, but like holding my tongue and just being like, oh, gross, you're wrong, stop it. <laughs> I mean, the, the people who like it really, really like it. You know, the people who are rooting for it, they are all in, and some of them can get very upset when you maybe yeah. hint at otherwise. 
Oh yeah. If you, and, and it's not necessarily like just the ship per se, but when you talk about Rayla, uh, when you talk about Ray and Kylo, how you talk about them, they get really defensive. Um, which I, I, to be honest, I mean, I feel like people just, some people don't like Kylo and that's okay. Some people don't like Poe and I don't understand, but that's okay too, you know? Well, and um, yes, the- it's all fine. It's, you know, we're, we're going to get the answer in just a few weeks either way. And I don't think that the movie should necessarily be totally ruined if a very specific ship didn't follow through the way people thought it would. Um, I would be more upset if any kind of relationship was absolutely crammed in there when you didn't need it for the storytelling aspect of it. And it was just crammed in there for pure fan service. Yes, exactly. Um, So yeah, that's, that's really, that's really it. It's not even, and like I said, it's not Ray and, and Kylo or Ben, if you might be Ben, who knows Ben Demption. I know. Um, but it, it's not even them working together. That that would be I see it happening. I, I don't know if anybody else gets that vibe that it's going to happen that way. But I feel like that's where they're heavily leaning towards. Yeah. Yeah. And well, it's funny, too, because they're really teasing it, not even just in the teaser and the the promotions, but even in just not so much what the cast is actively saying, but what all the journalists are act, are asking them. And say I'm I'm over here and there's another potential ship in that movie that I do have strong feelings about <laughs> that is not uh Raylo. But you know I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think this this conversation kind of points to like what makes Raylo s- such a difficult thing to talk about is the people on both sides are so passionate and I feel like to an extent, the, some of the lesser um, fandom menace type people who unfortunately exist in our star Wars space have kind of attacked the Raylos um, without trying to understand the, the ship at all. And so they had to kind of go on the defensive, which caused other people to go on the defensive and it, and it just, it's become a really... It's a vicious circle. It really yeah, is. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And and that's what makes it kind of difficult to be like, you know, if this this will or will not ruin the movie for you, or for me, rather, because it's just like, there's so much that goes on around the conversation that it's so, like, it's just kind of lost. It's screaming into an echo chamber at this point where I'm just like, all right, if it happens, you know, make make it make sense for the story. If it doesn't happen, make it make sense for the story. If it's ambiguous, like Jin and Cassian, make it make sense for the story. It's not ambiguous with Jin and Cassian. How many times do we need to go over this? I'm sorry. Oh, boy. We st- we, we I'm sorry. I think I muted Lindsay. Can anybody else hear her? <laughs> um, oh, man. All right. I don't want Star Wars Episode Nine, the greatest hits album. Uh, oh, yeah. Not just musically, uh, because I know John Williams has has said that he, you know, kind of brings in all the old themes and everything like that. Where, you know, I, I this is what got that. 
easy for me to say. Um, that's kind of what got me thinking about this, but I don't want like, hey, remember this guy? And hey, remember that guy? And and we, of course, got that um, image of the, the ships all, you know, together. And, and there's, there's some familiar ones in there. And so I just don't want this to be a go round of remember all this cool stuff and not even like a fan service movie no i guess i guess so it would be a fan service movie if they did that i did read an interview with uh jj uh earlier today and i don't know how old this was but he did mention about how you know ryan kind of freed him up to to do what he wanted to do on the rise of skywalker whereas with the force awakens he felt like he kind of had to be a little more contained into what was expected for a Star Wars movie. And this one, he kind of got to let, I guess, let his freak show. Um, and <laughs> so, I mean, it's a mild trepidation in in terms of it actually happening. But if it did actually happen, it would be extremely disappointing. Yeah, I feel like in the original trilogy that all those, all those tropes that became Star Wars tropes uh, were sort of natural in the way that they happened in the films. And like they became tropes because they were part of the story or part of the characters. Um, and then as much as I love the sequel trilogy and I really love the sequel trilogy, uh, that, that thing that tends to happen, especially in the force awakens where they sort of lean on those inside jokes, like they're almost making jokes with the fans, like, uh, Oh, look, there's another Death Star. Well, there's got to be a way, a way to destroy it. There always is with these things. You know, it's just a little bit too much of that jokey, like winking at the audience thing that that kind of took me out of the experience in The Force Awakens. So I, I'm totally with you. I don't I don't want them to sort of because when J.J. said I want this film to not just bring the, tr- the sequel trilogy to a close, but it's going to wrap up all nine films I'm thinking, wow, that's a tall order Um, that could, you know, if you don't handle that the right way, that can come across as very cheesy. So then I'm just trying to think, too, of kind of the collection of what the greatest hits would be. So it would be like if Ray got her right arm cut off, if like what are some of the other things you want to make sure we avoid? I mean, I don't want, like, Duel of the Fates playing mm. when Rey and Kylo are fighting on the Death Star. I don't need, you know, Rey getting electrocuted by Palpatine. Um, I don't need Palpatine getting thrown down a shaft or a big hole. Um, I, I do want, like, the—I have a bad feeling about this, but I, I guess what I'm really trying to say is I don't need a callback to every movie— you know, mm. to to make this feel like the end of the story. Like, it, it should be a natural ending of the story where it's not just... Yeah. You know, it's kind of like we talked about with Solo, you know, before the movie came out. Like, we don't want it to just be like, and here's how he got the Millennium Falcon. And here's how he met Chewbacca. And, and it, it's just not a, a connected story. And the way they put that together, except for the little bit of at the end with the the Falcon that I don't think fits perfectly, but in general, I feel like that movie did a good job of 
making those connections, showing you those things, and still creating a story that was unique and special. And that's kind of what I want from here. Um, but instead of a, a beginning, I want it to be an end. But I want it to be its yeah. own thing where we can watch it within the greater saga and be like, man, that's like that's a great conclusion. <coughs> but we can also watch it on its own, and it's just a great standalone film. I think that's what makes Star Wars films great uh, is when they can just stand yeah. alone, you know? I think it would have to... What I'm hearing, at least, is we all think it has to wrap things up and answer unanswered questions without reopening doors that have already been closed. I, yeah, I don't know, though. I, I don't necessarily need all the questions answered. Like, I, I want to make That's that clear. Yeah. You know, I, I'm okay with yeah. questions. Yeah. Questions is kind of what we thrive on in the fandom, but I don't want it to be, you know, like, oh, here's the answer to this question, and it's something you already already knew. Um, you know, maybe not even answer questions, but like I would like for you know, and I think this is the one I hear most often. I would like for some kind of an not even answer, but some kind of mention of Padme. Oh, um, yeah, no, that for sure. Yeah, I'm... some kind of mention of Shmay. So things like that where it's not even necessarily answers to these burning questions, but just answers like, yeah, hey, people people in this universe still remember this. See, I think The, the Last Jedi is a great example of a film that does that successfully. We had those references to... Darth Sidious was mentioned, um, yeah, the references to the Jedi Order during the prequel trilogy and how they, what their downfall was, like all of that just being part of like, from Luke's perspective of looking back on history was a great way to work all of that into the story mm. and ha- and have it still feel like a connection where people go, oh wow, they're, this, they are, they're referencing all those things that were part of the, the earlier films and also another great example of taking the trope is the uh the throne room scene um with snoke and that is set up just like the throne room of return of the jedi except it goes a completely different direction and that's the kind of thing i want to see more of like if you're going to start taking me down a familiar road in star wars I want to be surprised. I want to see, oh, they're setting it up. This looks like it's that other thing that I remember. But now they're like pulling the rug out from under us and they're going to go in a completely new direction. That's exciting and risky. But I'm hoping that when JJ says that he was inspired by Ryan, that's what that's the takeaway for him was that kind of filmmaking. Yeah, right on. That's a perfect example. Yeah, that's. That's a much more eloquent way of saying what I was trying to say, <laughs> as Mark tends to do. Uh, all right, so let's get into the good stuff and talk about what's the the one thing that you are absolutely hoping is going to happen in Rise of Skywalker. Mark, you are up first, sir. Uh, I'm going to have to keep it real general here because uh, initially my greatest desire for this film was to see the 
new characters, when I say new, I mean the characters that were introduced in The Force Awakens, having their camaraderie, their moment together like the original trilogy cast did. And it from the trailers, it looks like that's what we're going to get. And so it's not something I'm... I'm concerned at this point that we're not going to see that. Um, that's something I definitely want to see. And this is like an area where I have to be cautious about how I say it, because I, when I came out of The Last Jedi, The Last Jedi was the first Star Wars film that moved me so much, I was actually moved to tears twice. Um, I'd never been moved to tears in any of the other Star Wars films, and that includes all of them. <laughs> Um, and yet I have, I was, I got really emotional during the last, the last Jedi. And now, because this is setting up as the final film in the entire saga, which means so much to me as somebody that literally grew up with this franchise. I mean, we're practically the same age. Um, I, I, I want it to move me. I want to feel really deeply, deeply moved by it. And I, I'm also a little concerned. This also falls into the category of it's one of my concerns that I'm putting too much pressure on it mm. to do that. Like maybe I should just not go in with those kinds of expectations and just see what kind of story is presented and not think about it in terms of, oh, gosh, it's got to it's got to wrap up this and it's got to. It's got to do this callback and it's got to make me feel something when this character's on screen. And I think that Star Wars fans, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to feel something really intense the first time we see a, a new Star Wars movie. And it often takes several viewings for us to really be to be able to digest it in a way that we can articulate exactly how we feel. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's that's something that I'm that I'm really eager to see. I want to see how they uh, hit all the nostalgia buttons, but do it in a way that doesn't feel cheesy or doesn't feel gimmicky. Um, and I, as much as I've talked about, like the things I didn't like about the, la about uh, the force awakens, it did manage to, to do all those things and also be a very fun movie, which I do think that as heavy as this subject matter could be, in this last film, I actually think this film is going to be full of fun moments. Yeah, I think JJ knows how to find those balances. And I think JJ also realizes that he was able to pull the cast together to work in that really unique and natural way. And going to your point of how we as fans maybe sometimes feel the need to force certain emotions. He's also able to naturally pick up on those feelings within an audience and what he's able to do with these specific actors and with these specific characters, I really do think translates into us in our seats watching it. I always think back to Solo and the moment that Darth Maul came on the screen and literally my jaw dropped. Like I, I didn't know how to function. Like it took everything in me to realize I was still in a theater and I couldn't just yell like profanities everywhere about just how excited I was about it. And that's kind of what I'm hoping for in, in this film um, is not necessarily like a mall reveal, but I want 
those moments that genuinely make my jaw drop. And I'm just like, you know, like you said, it, it's unexpected. Um, Last Jedi did that for me at the end of the throne room or, you know, when Kylo and, and Rey are fighting together and you think there's, he's going to get redemption in the second movie. And how does that even work? Cause the big bad guy's dead and you know, and then they, they plot twist on you and, and he doesn't join Ray. That was really stunned me. And, and just those moments that are those moments that you remember sitting in the theater and, and watching them and, Oh, totally. They with, just shatter with, you. Yeah, and with, with the communal experience of seeing it on opening night or an opening weekend with so many other Star Wars fans, like, I remember every, like, crowd-pleasing, cheering audience, like, gasping moment from all of those movies from the very first weekends that, that they were in release. Like, I always will remember that. So that's probably ultimately what I'm looking forward to most is having those communal experiences with fellow Star Wars fans where we all cheer or or cry or laugh at the same time and it's something that you never forget. It's yeah, a, that's, yeah, that's very true. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think back to, you know, Leia, I think back to the Haldo maneuver, like even going back to uh, Force Awakens and, you know, the garbage will do. I mean, the reaction that that got. Um, even Han and Chewie coming onto the Falcon. Like, yes, these are nostalgia moments, but, you know, that feeling that you get there is, is something that Star Wars can do without nostalgia um, just as well and, and has done time and again. I mean, shoot, Rogue One is full of nostalgia and, and is... I mean, I would say the nostalgia moments are the last thing that make your jaw drop in that film. There's just so much other stuff that goes on, and and I'm hoping episode nine can do the same. So, yeah. all right, uh, Adriana, I think you are up. Uh, what what do you want to happen in Rise of Skywalker, and why is it Ben Demchin? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> very funny, haha. <laughs> um, uh, Okay, so I'm just I'm just gonna shoot my shot here, put it out into the universe. Go for um, it, girl. Even though I know <laughs> I I have resigned myself to the fact that it will probably not happen, and I'm I'm almost positive you guys 100% know what I want, and that uh -huh. is to see a um, explicit. And by explicit, I'm not talking about like like a sexual. Yeah, like nothing sexual, nudity is not necessary. But which well is very, stated. very clear. <laughs> Explicit <laughs> in that it's very clear that these two characters are in a relationship and they are more than just bros. Um, I really, I really want to see a a relationship, a romantic, romantic relationship between Finn and Poe. Uh it's I feel like it's it's there. They've been um putting it putting it out there like and so it's just why would you do this? Why would you write these things? Why would you put these things in canon if that's not the ultimate end game? But even more than that, I think it's uh important to finally have that representation. Um up there i want i want to see that i want to see them take a giant leap forward uh and say hey these two guys 
are in a relationship. And um, I think it would be a really nice uh, evolution. Yeah, and it, this this relationship, the way that they've set it up, the way um, they've the like even John and Oscar talk about it, um, the stuff that I see in the comics, the way they put them together on T-shirts at Disneyland, um, just give it to me. <laughs> don't don't tease me anymore. Just give it to me. Let me have it. Let me have this one thing. I don't want anything like anything else you give me is would just be like like a cherry on top. So yes, that is what I want. <laughs> So let me ask you this. So if it is heavily implied in the film, would that be a acceptable uh, alternative or would that not be acceptable in your opinion? I think I either way I would run with it and I would say, okay, that makes him canon. But I think it really needs to say I, I think it needs to be clear. I think it needs to be explicitly clear that they are in a relationship because either other anything other than that is really just a cop out um it's really just them queer baiting us and um yeah i really when i i talk about this on my podcast um i have a whole episode dedicated to queer baiting um queer baiting is just really harmful and not just i didn't know this something i learned doing my podcast is that um it's really harmful not just to um, like uh, queer people, but it, to all people, straight people. Um, and so it heavily implying it is not enough, I think at this point. Um, Adriana, especially be- before before <laughs> I, before I ask my question, um, can you kind of give us a definition of what queer baiting is? because I know before you mentioned um, that you were working on an episode on it, I had not heard the term before. So kind of what does that mean? Um, so in a nutshell, queer baiting is uh, putting two characters together, uh, uh, intentionally putting or like making jokes or like using them at advertising, uh, advertising and, in, and implying that these, these two people are going to be in a relationship and then not ever actually confirming it in the canon. Um, and... It's, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, and uh, just to be clear, too, <laughs> it's not because I think that if someone were to play devil's advocate right now for why they aren't queer baiting, I agree with you that it would be because it's not just a matter of we as fans are saying we want this to happen. We're not pointing at examples saying, oh, look, of course it's going to happen. When you read things like the Allegiance comic, when you read things like um, Resistance Reborn, they really are hinting at it. And then, of course, in some of the other marketing materials. So it's not just, you know, people's imaginations running away with them. It really is this ancillary material also kind of pushing this possible agenda. Yeah. Yeah, And and it's, it's a, it can get kind of complicated because I do understand that from if, if, if you're not queer, it is a difficult, sort of difficult to understand what the big deal is because on the surface, it seems like if you've followed any of the press junkets or, or watched any of the, 
the interviews where uh, John and Oscar are having f- like fun with the idea and they seem very relaxed about it and good natured about it. It seems like it's very harmless. Like, um, like what's wrong with this? Like they're, they're just showing that they're cool with it. And that's true. But if it's not ever going to come to fruition, if it's not something that they're ever going to have the commitment to make a reality, it ends up just being something that's treated as a, something of a joke. And it's more serious than that. And it should be treated more serious than that. Yes, literally everything that you're saying is something we definitely go, me and my friend Liz, we deep, we do a deep dive in my queer baiting episode. So literally everything you're saying is something we talk about. And, and you're right. Ultimately, at the end of the day, Oscar and John, um, maybe they want it and they, they're down to do it, but they don't, they don't have that choice. They don't get to make that choice. Right. They're not the ones, right. They're not the ones writing the story. So. So it, as much as even if they want it, like that's, that's still, um, the intention behind it is, is nice, but it, it's, if they know it's not going to happen, then they shouldn't be doing stuff like that. Um, and they do, and they, they, at this point they know. So yeah, they absolutely absolutely know how it's going to end. And so, um, they know how it's going to end. If if it's not going to end that way, then they need to not do that. They need to not get my hopes up uh, because uh, ultimately I'm just going to be left sad and unfulfilled. And um, yeah, it's, well, it is what it is. <laughs> just to, just for, for those of you listening, uh, Adriana's teaser episode, that'll be coming out next week uh, after after this one, so definitely make sure you're subscribed to that because um, it's going to be a very exciting listen, and, and I'm definitely interested in learning more about this topic. But I, 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 I want to ask, you know, are you cool? Like, obviously, in complete support, uh, and and I want it explicit, just like you guys do. Is Let's uh, let's take resistance for example with Flix and Orca, where they mention you know going to visit the mother-in-law, and in the most recent episode, it's very clear. You know, Orca says, you know, I love the guy. To me, at least, it's very clear. But they never, there's not a kiss or anything like blatantly just saying like we're in a relationship or, or overstated like that. Is that does that qualify as? I don't even want to say good enough because that sounds terrible. But but is would that be explicit for you, or do you do you like straight up need a kiss? Like, there you um, go. I th- I think personally, um, it's impl- that's ha- that's implication. That's very um, okay. still le- leaves it open to interpretation because, um, like I could say to Lindsay, oh man, I love that chick, you know, and yeah, it doesn't have yeah. to be anything Back romantic. <laughs> Because yeah. I do, um, but but and and the fact that they they say not in the fact that we read about them being officially a couple came not on the show. It was in a news article, and mm-hmm. they released it. Um, it's it's definitely something that I also mentioned in my in my episode. Um, so I don't want to get too like like too much into it because if I don't, I want you to listen to my episode too. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um. But yeah, it's it's not enough. Um, and my friend Liz will 
she as she eloquently will tell you um it's it it almost is is not it's not enough it's it's something that can be dismissed because there are people who watch it that are not following the news you know how are they gonna know um people who don't watch um the cartoons how are they gonna know that there's a canon uh gay couple on this show they're not um so yeah it's not enough (laughs) Yeah, I'd like to throw out a couple of examples of sci-fi that has handled this in a very, in my opinion, a very good way. Um, it's, uh, J, and it's another J.J. Abrams uh, uh, film was, the, well, it's actually not this one was, but the Star Trek series, the new, the new films, uh, it actually wasn't a J.J. Abrams. Uh, Star Trek Beyond uh, revealed that Sulu was gay. And the way that they show it in the film is they simply have when he when the the ship docks and they're meeting their their families, his partner comes up with their daughter. Um, oh, I they, remember that. Yeah, they meet each other and they obviously are are a family, and that's how it's presented. And it doesn't have to be anything more explicit than that. It's that is such a elegant way to sort of say these people are a couple. Um, there's also another. Uh, uh, Battlestar Galactica had a spinoff called Caprica, and in that series, uh, one of the characters was revealed to have a partner, and it was just revealed in that showing that they were having breakfast together. I, that's again, it's it, it's not explicit. It's just it's a domestic scene, and it's it. This is this is the these are the ways that these shows can handle it, and it not be quote in your face unquote. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, it doesn't have to be. It's Star Wars. We know Star Wars is for kids. We don't. I don't need to see a kiss, um, but it just needs to be something that you can't read it any other way, but to right. say these two are together. Right. Yeah. And Mark, I like that too. Where it's it's so normalized. It's nothing groundbreaking that we feel the need to stop the story and clarify. And oh my God, look at this big moment! But it's that nice normalized domestic feeling, like this is just natural. Right. I mean, when when we see Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru, they're two people that share a homestead and are raising Luke. Like you don't have to have anyone sp- explicitly say we're an item, you know, you, you don't, you don't have to have that. You see it in the story. It's just mm. part of the story. Yeah. I, I think the, the line there you have to be careful is, you know, we don't see a lot of domestic stuff in star Wars. I shouldn't even say be careful. I, I guess it's going to be difficult to, to do it in that kind of way is a better way to say it. it. We don't get these domestic scenes very often in Star Wars. So, like, even, like, Flix and Orca, we see them at work together, but they could just be, you know, work buddies or whatever. Um, right. And you have this movie with, you know, Finn and Poe. They're going to be on an adventure, and it's very easy for them to just be bros, you know. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I'm definitely definitely in support of it, and I think, honestly, it if we're talking romantic relationships, I think that one it, it makes probably the most sense out of, out of any of them. I, I think it would be, it'll be interesting because, you know, resistance reborn minor, minor spoiler, but like Finn directly calls Rose and Ray just friends. Um, 
which hopefully squashes the possible love triangle there that I just speaking of things you don't want. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely excited to listen to to that queer baiting episode. And uh, oh, I am too. Yeah. It's just a very yeah. I mean, as someone who you know is trying to you know listen to understand um i'm very excited to to learn more about that and hopefully it'll help me kind of have a a better lens on 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 everything so uh lindsay we are going to move on to you and what is the one thing that you really want in resist not resistance reborn that's not what we're talking about a little late on that one (laughs) sorry about Um, that ladies and gentlemen my thing that i want the most for rise of skywalker if that's what you're thinking oh are we talking about that i (laughs) my notes are all wrong oh scratch everything we've said before um it's gonna seem incredibly small compared to these other great things that we just discussed um but you know what i'm sticking by it because i really want to see it I want to see Ray earn her own Kyber crystal. I don't necessarily need to see her make a lightsaber with it. Um, but I would really like to see that kind of maybe at the very, very end. It's it's just this nice moment of Ray has passed all of these tests and she has saved the galaxy. But I think she's been through so much in her life. She deserves that more personal and more selfish reward and to have it where the force is saying yeah hey you did it here's this momentous occasion in your life of having your own kyber crystal is i think it would be a great way to either end this entire saga or even just a nice little moment in the middle of it yeah and that would be a nice Uh, another example of how you could bring a nod to the previous films, because we had, we showed Luke getting to create his own lightsaber in the third film of his trilogy. Uh, So that would be a nice little callback to uh, return of the Jedi. I think it could be, could be interesting because Kylo's crystal is is cracked or shattered. However you want to, phrase it and that's why he has the jagged blade and we saw at the end of last jedi that you know ray's crystal in the the legacy saber was broken what if she finds a way to actually heal that wound and restore the the skywalker kyber crystal oh i would like that I like that. I think just something to explain to the general audience the significance of the kyber crystal versus the lightsaber itself. Um, and for Ray to really be solidified as this great force user and future of the Jedi. Um, I think that would be a good way to do it. I was just I reading. I think it would also be. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I think it would also be nice to. Um, because the implications are then that she can leave uh, the lightsaber that she uh, she's leaving those lightsabers behind. And that, that's the end of the Skywalker, you know, um, legacy with those lightsabers. They're not going on with her. Is that kind of does that kind of work, too? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I love this because now I'm thinking of all the different ways. I feel like I just had such like a general like I would like this and you guys are. 
making it so much more eloquent than I deserve. Because <laughs> well, these was, are all such good good thoughts. I was just good reading ideas. the uh, the new Secrets of the Jedi book, and f- for those of you who haven't read it, it's it's worth checking out. It's definitely a fun. It's it's uh, a book that is written from Luke's point of view uh, after Ray leaves Octo before uh, the Battle of Crate. And so you kind of think time crunch, you know, these, these things that he's putting in here are the things that, you know, he considers the most important things that the, the next Jedi that come after him need to know. And I mean, there is a, a spread on Kyber crystals. Um, and so, I mean, it's a bit, it's a 30 page book, like coffee table size. Um, great illustrations. If you haven't gone and gotten it, you should, you should definitely go check it out. But that was definitely on my mind today was he, he talked directly about, you know, why Kylo's saber is the way that it was and, and how um, the Jedi unite with the Kyber crystal. And that's what determines the color of the blade. So I, all the lore that they have been creating about around the Kyber crystal since the Disney purchase, it would make sense. I mean, it's it's in Rogue One. It was in, I mean, the Ahsoka novel. Like it, it's everywhere. I mean, they also lean so heavily on it too at Galaxy's Edge, just mm. in terms of building your own lightsaber, the holocrons, being able to customize things. So I feel like they're they're pushing to make it more mainstream, more well known. Yeah. Oh, Kyber crystals! How I love thee. <laughs> I mean, guys, it's even it, even in Freemaker Adventures they had Kyber crystals. Now that I think of it, uh, they were more of a joke because they blew a whole bunch of stuff up. But still, they're showing the little kids Kyber crystals. So, got something going on there. All right, to kind of round it out, or to actually round it out, not to kind of round it out. Uh, mine is, I want Luke's lessons to matter. And what I mean by that is not mm-hmm. not just his lessons in The Last Jedi, but guess what, guys? I'm going to tie in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I'm doing it. <laughs> the lesson on the, uh, lesson on the second Death Star is that the Jedi win by nonviolence. The lesson on Crate is another example of the Jedi winning by nonviolence. I don't want to see... Like yes, there is a there's a there's a place for the military part of Star Wars and the war in the Star Wars, but as ter- in terms of the Force, in terms of the mythology, I don't want the story to end with just them cutting down Palpatine with a lightsaber and everybody moves on with their life. There needs to be more of a meaning behind it. There needs to be something that shows that. The lessons that Anakin got wrong that turned him into Vader and the lessons that Luke figured out, the love, the compassion, the way that a Jedi is supposed to carry him or herself needs to matter at the end of this. Or, I I mean, I, I hate to be that person, but it undoes what Luke does in Return of the Jedi, which I don't think is a, is a good thing. This needs to needs to really show the legacy and, and I mean to qualify it and say that like it need it needs to make it so that it makes sense that we got the sequel trilogy kind of seems like overstated and cliche but if you if you're if you create this trilogy just to say that oh yeah you know Luke saved Anakin but it 
only works in these very select situations that love and compassion and nonviolence work. In most of the time, when you're facing something really, really bad, then you have to, you know, slice it down with a lightsaber, I think is harmful to the overall narrative of Star Wars. Me and my newly custom-made Star Wars boxing gloves and my broken nose right now totally agree. I think the point. Though, no, I think it. I think it is such an important lesson, especially when we keep in mind, like, yeah, this is for. This is still a movie geared for kids. You know, obviously we can find such deeper meaning in it, but this is the most basic lesson of kindness towards other and love and respect towards others, um, and having those interpersonal relationships in such a healthy way. So yeah, I, I get that. I I think that is one of the more underlooked at and underrated themes of Star Wars. Yeah, and I mean, there are, like I said, there's a place for whipping out the lightsaber and defending people. There's a place for, like, I'm watching A New Hope right now and the trench run. Like, you have to blow up the Death Star. Like, it's going to cause way more pain than it's going to provide to the galaxy. But when, again, when we're thinking strictly as a mythology um, and a narrative and the lessons that you are leaving for people, like the lesson of blowing up the Death Star is not like if you see, if if there's something you don't like, just blow it up. The lesson of the, the trench run is Luke's faith in the Force, you know, and, and that's what makes it a special moment. Not really, him blowing up the Death Star is just ancillary. And, and when you go to the second Death Star, him throwing away the lightsaber is that moment. It's that big moment where he changes the course of the Jedi. And going back to the Secrets of the Jedi book that I was reading, I, I it wasn't stated directly, but you get a very strong feeling that Luke, and I think you get this in the movie, that Luke turned back to the, the old Jedi ways and, and basically just tried to make the Jedi Order in the same fashion that it was in the prequel era where they won at the end of a blade and, and then to see him in last Jedi, and yes, he has his lightsaber, but, but they never connect. And we know he can, we know he, he could present physical objects because he gives Leia the dice. So it's a conscious effort on Luke's part to not fight Kylo. And, and so to end it, I want to see. I'm, I'm very excited about the epic lightsaber duel that's been talked about. I'm pumped to see Rey and Kylo fighting on the remains of the Death Star. I just don't want that to be the conclusion of our saga. I like that thought. Yeah. Yeah that 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 was going to be a version of what I was I was thinking of another another thing that I wanted to see, and that was that is um, a sort of a new. Like we've been presented with this new concept of the force and how people communicate in the force. And it feels like it's leading to something bigger that were that will be resolved within the force itself. And I don't see how you can have any kind of a conclusive wrap up to nine films without saying something definitive about how the force is brought back into balance once and for all. And you don't do that through violence. 
So I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't see any other way for it to end in a satisfying way if it's not to be true to the ideals of the Jedi. And a little, to go back a little bit, um, I've, over the years I've recontextualized what the title Return of the Jedi means. Uh, there's a time I thought it meant um, that Luke was coming back for his third film. That meant he, that was his return. Uh, and then it evolved to, well, maybe the Jedi was uh, the redemption of Anakin. Uh, but now I'm starting to see it as the Jedi returning was not even the Jedi of the prequel era. It was a much earlier concept of the Jedi. And it was Luke who brought that idea back of the non, the, the, you know, the, the non-aggressive uh, philosophy. And you're right to see him bring it full circle in the last Jedi. Um, it's definitely, that is definitely the message. And if you, you don't, respect that and honor that in the final film, then what was that all for? Yeah. I mean, people talk about Last Jedi undoing things that Seven did, which it didn't. But, I mean, if you if you end it any other way, you're undoing... I won't even say what the other eight films are doing. I would say what the other ten films are doing. Um, it would be to that, that level for me. I was just going to say, too, um, you know... I'm not even a redemption person, but I feel like if it, if he is going to get that redemption, it it can't it's not going to come from violence. It's going to definitely come from um, what you guys were talking about. So uh, that's my two cents. <laughs> well, and I, somebody I follow on Twitter, I can't remember her name. She's a stunt coordinator, and she pointed out that. In the, the part where we have in the trailer of Rey and Kylo fighting, Kylo doesn't attack. He only parries. So, I mean, that makes me feel a little better. Like, you know, not not a whole parsec, but a little bit better. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things like, again, like time will tell. But if we're talking about the one thing that we really do want, um, I want... I want them to take the themes of Star Wars and turn it up to 11. And, I mean, we've got, what, like 30 days left? Guys, it's going to come up so quick. <laughs> With the Mandalorian and Resistance and everything else we have, we're going to, like, wake up tomorrow and be like, oh, my God, it's time to go see Rise of Skywalker today. And I wasn't even prepared. Get ready, guys. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> Uh, and of course, until then, we will be here to entertain you with hours and hours of us rambling on about this stuff that we love. Uh, we have uh, Lindsay and I at the time of recording are, are going to be recording our Resistance Reborn review, um, which will come out the same week as this episode. Uh, we have the queer baiting episode that is coming out on Starships. Um, I know Mark is always hard at work on the next episode of Forever Star Wars, and you can get all of those podcasts by just clicking the subscribe button. I and I, and to kind of go back to what we were talking about earlier, like Lindsay said, this is this new nonprofit wing of of our organization is not going to affect the the podcast that we're doing or anything like that. This is not going to put it behind a paywall or anything like that. This will. Oh, It'll always be an absolutely free podcast, so just click that subscribe button, and and that's enough, and we appreciate that. So uh, let's go around real quick uh, and just share everybody where you can, where people can reach you on social media and uh, what you got working on, what you're working on. 
Uh, Adriana, let's go to you first. Uh, so you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Celestial Intent. Um, I finished uh, my queer baiting episode, so that'll be coming out soon. But I'm also working on a episode with dealing with the history of Star Wars of uh, uh, shipping culture. Uh, there's a lot of interesting things <laughs> that I'm like learning about. So. Uh, I can't wait to share those with you guys and get your reactions on that stuff because it's it's blowing my mind. <laughs> That's exciting. Exciting. Mark, what about you? Yeah, I, uh, I'm currently working on another episode of Forever Star Wars. Um, it is going to involve the Empire, and it covers a lot of ground, so it's taken me a little bit longer to get all the, the writing for that uh, finalized, but that should... I'm hoping to have that drop maybe right before uh, the rise of Skywalker. Um, but you can follow me on Twitter at DJM Marquis. Um, I, I do have to say that on Twitter, I am going to be taking a Twitter break right before the rise of Skywalker. And then for a few weeks after it, but just because I go silent for a while, doesn't mean I've left Twitter. Uh, I will be back. Um, but I just wanted to put that out there in case people suddenly realize that I'm not around anymore on social media. I I mean, I kind of can't, I can't blame you. It's a good idea. It's a very good idea. Uh, Lindsay, tell people where yeah. they can find you. Well, over the next few weeks, you can, of course, find me here on the Clashing Sabers podcast. You can find me over at Don't Burn the Sacred Text. We have a lot of ground to cover before uh, December 19th. And then you'll also find me pretty anxiously awaiting over the next couple of weeks for Adriana's episodes to come out because I'm really interested to learn a little bit more about these topics. Um, and... You can certainly find me on the nonprofit side of things as well. I'm very excited. This is something I'm really passionate about. Um, and since Drew already did the hard work, why not hop in that one really pitch <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you can find me there. If you want to um, chat a little bit more, you can get me on, on Twitter at the lady of lore. Um, I am not strong-willed enough like Mark to take a Twitter break. I am really, really good at tuning people out that I just don't want to care and to listen to. Um, so I'll be on Twitter for a little while. Um, you can certainly find me there again at the Lady Allure. But Brandon, take us home, my friend. All right, so you can find us at Clashing Sabers, Clashing Sabers Star Wars Community on Facebook. That's going to be your place uh, to get all of the updates um, when the uh, silent auction launches. Um, we're actually going to release in our Facebook group a day early, so it'll release December 2nd uh, for everybody else and December 1st for our friends over on Facebook. So make sure you are there. Make sure you're subscribed. Uh, I would really love it, especially with us uh, starting this new endeavor, if you could take the time um, and go leave a rating and review because more people listening means more support, means more books for kids. So if that doesn't guilt you into doing it, I don't know what else will. Uh, do it for the kids. Exactly. Do it for the kids. <laughs> and Guys, I'm just really excited about this. If you have any questions about the the nonprofit, um, about how that may uh, impact things or about our mission or anything like that, uh, please feel free to email us at clashingsabersnetwork at gmail.com and we will definitely respond to you then. But until 
<laughs> Next time, let's never remember. Let's never remember? Let's never forget. Oh. I don't. I can do the talking. I can do the talking. Let's try that again. Take two. The ability to speak. Hey, right? hey, hey. <laughs> In unison, everybody. Batch eight. Hi-ho. That wasn't... That... <laughs> you guys not know what unison <laughs> means. Don't blame us on this one. You already messed it up. <laughs> <laughs> Title of my autobiography. You know... <laughs> You know, we this can be edited. We can do it again, right? <laughs> no, I'm still still running. I'm leaving this stuff in. Oh, okay. All right. The podcast you just listened to and all other Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of ClashingSabers.net. All sounds and materials used from other creators is their stuff, and we just use different information on educational purposes. Bottom line, we made it. It's ours. They made it. It's theirs. Seems simple, but if you're still confused, feel free to email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. We have no association with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any of the other fine companies that make all this stuff we talk about. But, Kathleen Kennedy, if you need anything, let me know. I work for cheap. Now let's blow this thing and get out of here.